Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, legendary poddlers. This is your lore bender, Jack, coming at you with another table talk. This week, I have our fun friend, Jimmy. Whoa, hey What's going on, familiar Jimmy? Familiar and fun, that's me. Yeah. Just being familiar and fun. <laughs> I summon familiar. He is, he is <laughs> fun. Is Jimmy. <laughs> it is Jimmy. He appears in a cloud of smoke. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say that. And that other voice you hear is our guest for this week, Lee, who plays Mayu in the actual play podcast that we're doing. Hello. All How you doing, Lee? Out there. Doing pretty good. Excited to be a part of one of these. Nice. Well, you get to be part of a fun one because we're talking about growth, which we have done two sessions of. So you guys have experienced it. We missed it the first session, but you guys got a little bit of taste of it in the second and third. Basically what growth is for all you legendary poddlers, and I explained it a bit in the podcast, but I'm going to reiterate a little bit, is basically Avatar Legends idea of experience. Every player has four ticks of growth before they hit an advancement, which is essentially a level up. And there are a bunch of different ways to get said growth. One of the main methods is the growth move, which happens at the end of all the sessions. All the players get to answer three questions, which is, did you learn something challenging, exciting, or complicated about the world? Did you stop a dangerous threat or solve a community problem? And did you guide a character towards balance? Or did you end the session at your center of your balance meter. And if you answer yes, you get you get a growth. And all playbooks have their own individual questions too that pertain to the narrative related to that playbook. There are a couple other ways of getting it. Some playbooks have base moves, which reward growth. And there's also a basic move called resisting balance shift, which basically is when and, and someone's trying to like call you out on something or like they're trying to shift your balance or trying to be like, hey, you should be more this. You should be more that. And it pertains to your balance meter. You can roll to resist it. And if you resist it, you get growth because you stood your ground. You stood by your convictions. And that's really the gist of the mechanics in regards to obtaining growth. So we'll talk about that first before we talk about what you get for the advancements. So, yeah. What are you guys thoughts on the this system? Well... I think uh, Lee's got some thoughts. Yeah, yeah so I've, I've been informed there are some thoughts. <laughs> we, we've only done two like growth talks. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking at these questions. I think it's good for a narrative system. I think that it's a good idea. I feel like hmm, maybe it ends up happening too often, be- and there should be. I'm not sure how you would prevent that, though, because maybe you would have to say this many hours like game time, because like when we go through just an hour of playing and then get to go over these questions and then some people have to go over like four hours of playing and then have to answer these questions, it seems kind of off, you know? Yeah. Is it off because of the frequency of which you can answer yes? Is that what yes, you're exactly. Because we are going through and like some of us are like checking these off really quick. And and that com- brings me to my next point is just like, I feel like it's pretty easy to say that you get growth in each one. And the way that you do it is just be really good at debating and t- <laughs> arguing for whether or not you did these things. Like you can simply just convince your gm that you did those things even if it's not quite fitting it's definitely good for a narrative system and for anyone that is prepared for those narrative challenges and using them against your dm too to get growth but for people that are using this system as like a way to step out of their comfort zone and they're not used to having to 
really think about those sorts of things and they're just trying to do role playing stuff, it might be difficult for them to answer any of these questions honestly and say like, oh yeah, I totally did growth or no, I didn't. Or they might not argue for the things that they should argue for. I don't know. It seems it's kind of like that game. You ever play like the the superhero game where you have like a superhero and then like a superpower and you had to argue which one would would beat the other one. Like, I feel like there's no real winners in that game because you're just going to decide for yourself, like just arguing with each other. And I don't think that's happened in our game very much because we all understand each other and we're being pretty mature about it. But I can see very easily where this would go very bad with a lot of groups. The closest we've had is I know that Lisa has had a bit of trouble answering some of the Mm -hmm. questions, but one of the I I mean, um, yeah, yeah. One of the core tenets in Power by the Apocalypse, let alone Avatar Legends, is that the GM is a fan of the players. So it's kind of like, you know, the Mm -hmm. GM shouldn't be really have the mentality to try to argue about it Mm -hmm. unless it's unless it seems very unreasonable. Yeah, I was going to say and and the game when I'm because. City of Demons is the hack that I'm making for our system or the future of our system to test it. And it's a very narrative game and I have really extremely narrative ways to gain experience in that. Mm-hmm. And I have some players who just boom picked right up on it and they're sharp as attack and they can say, yes, I'm, I'm checking my motivations. I'm checking off these things and they get so much experience so that it's quickly. crazy while yeah. I have other players that are just like, they show up in a cloud of smoke. And- <laughs> <laughs> and they're 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 having a great time role playing, and even some of the things that they've chosen to tick experience because you get you get a lot of choices yeah. in the City of Demons hack. Mm-hmm. Even those things that they've chosen don't happen very often because they've chosen really obscure things because they thought it was cool for their character or something. But it hardly pertains to the story that they're actually following. Um, so it, it creates a, a, a really difficult mm-hmm. balance and as a gm i have to be a, like jack said a fan of the players and i have to advocate for certain players at times because they don't keep up with it as well or i'll i'll throw them little nods or even in one circumstance because it's a system i'm working on after everyone else left i'm like hey mark down two just mark them down on your page you're role playing extremely well i just want you to have them mm-hmm. just to to kind mm-hmm. of play catch up a little bit that might be a good system to implement too. It's just uh, not inspiration, but basically, you know, the things you did didn't exactly pertain to these very specific questions, but you did this and it was good and helpful to everyone. And so you could reward something like that. Well, let's take a look at the actual questions themselves, mm-hmm. um, because I think all three definitely ring a bit different. Did you learn something challenging, exciting, or complicated about the world? Now, this is the one that I feel is really open-ended, where... The, uh, the other two, I don't feel are as open-ended because, I mean, one is literally mechanical, which is did you guide a character towards balance or end the session at your center? That's literally a mechanical Easy. question of mm-hmm. did you did you shift did you shift someone's uh, balance towards their center or did you end? And did you stop a dangerous threat or solve a community problem? I mean, that's literally the point of a session, pretty much. That's literally the point of a, you know, of the story. So th- this question one- is saying that this game, this is what it's based on. Yeah. It's not out. You're not supposed to be out murder hoboing. You're not supposed to be trying to (laughs) upset the other players. The question is absolutely telling you this is what you need to be doing. I mean, there's hardly a reason why did you stop a dangerous threat or solve a community problem should usually be checked. I mean, there's usually a reason why it's very rare that you don't unless it's just literally like maybe like a very narrative heavy or, you know, communication heavy situation. Like, actually, I think 
last session, I was like, eh, I don't know. You guys mostly just talked to the villagers. And so you didn't really, I didn't feel like you solved a danger or stopped a dangerous threat or solved a community problem. In fact, I think I said specifically that I think only Wei did in the second episode because Wei actually helped the village. Mm. Actually, with fermenting, I don't think the rest of you guys really did anything to stop a danger set or solve a community problem. You guys were you guys were finding out information. So that's when I think that question would be a no. But I would imagine it's usually a yes. But did you learn something challenging, something complicated about the world? Yeah, that's open ended because that's really like something that's kind yeah. of internal for your character. Where you can pretty much like that's the one that I feel like how you're talking about, like the characters have to like justify and argue or or at least make their point, that's the one that really comes up. Right. It's like when you're in the Fire Nation and you go into a restroom there and you're like, oh my gosh, they have urinals. Is that new and exciting? <laughs> is it? I don't I don't know. Is it? Maybe it is to me, but is it to Lee? Does Lee, does Lee really think that that's exciting that we found that out? It's, it's really subjective. It really is. I mean, and one of the things is that, I mean, again, the GM's supposed to be a fan of the players. So, you're supposed to be having fun. It's not really a system that's supposed to be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm the GM. <laughs> Watch my machinations lay out and see if you can survive. It's nothing like that at all. Um, you're trying Ooh. to tell a good story together. So usually if a player can justify it, then there should be little reason to say no. Also, this isn't like D20 or like other systems that are very mechanical in regards to leveling where, you know, a difference between someone who's like answering would be answering yes a lot of these questions versus someone who's no and like another system, there'd be a huge power difference, a huge advantage difference. In this game, no, not really. Not at all. It's more about choices. You gain more choices. Yeah, you get more narrative really options rather than mm-hmm. actual, like the only one that really affects it is like, hey, you get a plus one towards your stat. But to be honest with you, the stats are so low that it really hardly matters. So that's that's one of the things where it's sort of like, you know, the, the idea of arguing and the idea of debating really isn't that big, at least how I see it. You know, it just and you know, and and playing other other uh, powered by the apocalypse games, it's fun answering these questions. And I, now that I've answered, you know, dozens of them <laughs> because I've played several different powered by the apocalypse games, I just think it's a really cool way to push a story in a certain direction that yeah. this game wants you to save the world, wants you to help your community, wants you to be friends, wants you to work as a team, and you get rewarded for doing those things, for interacting with one another in such a way. Whereas Blades in the Dark, probably my next favorite <laughs> Powered by the Apocalypse game, well, it, it po- Powered by the Apocalypse-ish game. Mm-hmm. It was based a, a off of yeah. Yeah, it has a ton of really cool questions that you get to answer that are tailored specifically to your class. Mm-hmm. And it's every time we answer those questions, it's a blast thinking back about the session. So this one does it in for Avatar Legends, it does it in a little bit, I think to me, a little bit more mundane way than some of the other powered games yeah. do because it's it's really small. But then again, when I get to make choices, which I think is what we're about to talk about, those choices in this feel really good when you get to spend. Yeah. I mean, um, I really like it. A lot of these questions are mostly guides. They're guides to be to for the players to be like, look, this is the type of journey you should be on. This is the type of experience your character should be on. Because again, we haven't really got into it, but there are there's a fourth question you're supposed to ask, which is a playbook specific question. Which, I like that. I do like the the specifications better. Yeah, me too. My only thing is that I find that going through them some of them are a whole lot harder to hit than others. Yeah, that's an inherent flaw. You know, like I said, with City of Demons, that's inher- inherently a problem with being, you know, as a storyteller or as a, a game master trying to 
play to those things because they've chosen something so different from what mm-hmm. everyone else shows or, yeah. or different from the story that's happening. It's it's sort of up to the game master to try to weave that in or make it make sense. And it can be really challenging. It really can. I'm going to read a couple just to give you guys some ideas. We're going to go with the destined first. The growth question is, did you spend a meaningful time with someone else focused on their concerns and troubles? That's trying to guide you towards being like the mentor, which is basically what the elder is. But it's the idea of whether or not that's not a situation you can create. That's a situation that other people have to create for you. Yeah, you can't create it yourself. Your group has to create the situation. Uh, Now, if we take a look at like the foundling, for example, which is what Garrett, who plays she, does, is did you resolve an issue or conflict relying on someone on something other than your training? Now, that right there is something that he can control because it's the idea of just did you you did you do something based on your training or not and that he can control yeah, you can literally to, yeah just yeah you squeeze can it in. work that into <laughs> almost any scene now here's yeah. now here, here's a weird one the razor now the razor is someone who once was a thief or a outlaw but now they're trying to actually make amends so the growth question is, did you try to make amends for past mistakes or prove you're a different person now? Now, asking someone to do that almost every session, that's pretty crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot. It is a yeah, lot. Rather, yeah. It's very contrived. Yeah, rather too. than, for example, the foundling, where you could do that every session. That's not an issue. And mm-hmm. Lee, I know you have, the, you're the adamant, which your growth question is, mm-hmm. did you seek support or guidance from others? Considering the system is mostly tailored to the characters talking, I mean, like, almost all the basic moves are social moves, especially for guiding and comforting. That can happen all the time. Every scene. You could literally do that every scene. Not that you're going to get more check marks oh, yeah. or anything. Now, the main but- thing is that you are the adamant. The adamant is not su- actually supposed to be that vocal about how no. they feel. They're not yeah. supposed to <laughs> want to get support and guidance. They're supposed to be like, I can do it on my own. I don't know. Or rather, they don't know how to express themselves. So... For the playbook. And it is a. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's definitely one that's been more difficult than I thought it was going to be because also it being like a narrative system and everyone trying to do their thing, it it does kind of lend into that everyone trying to take the spotlight constantly sort of system because you're trying to get those questions and you're trying to get those things checked off. And so. If I'm trying to get support or guidance from someone, I'm obviously going to be trying to steer a conversation in a certain way when somebody might not want that conversation to go that way. And maybe they don't want to talk to me right now or help yeah. me. And so it's it's a tricky thing to balance for now sure. Here's one of the key things that I think is interesting and kind of hard, I think, for someone who's you know played a lot of like the more traditional tabletop role-playing games like you know Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, and all those things, is you're really like striving for those experience points. You're striving for those level ups. The thing with Powered by the Apocalypse is you're not really, because again, it's not that big of a thing. You're mostly just getting the satisfaction, which some people, that's a big thing. You know, the idea of like, yeah, you should be using the questions to guide you, but they shouldn't be like, put pressure on you that you have to do this, that you have to. But some of the questions feel like they do. A little bit, yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, they absolutely do, especially that. Like the adamant is a great example because it's telling you to f- act fundamentally different than your personality that exactly. everything else on the page is telling you to do. 
So it's saying, hey, do all these things, but you, you yeah, really do well when you come out of your shell. Of, yeah, and that's the weird yeah. duality of the system because it's sort of like, no, you just let things happen. You know, if it if it happens, you check it off. But at the same time, you got that question there. You, he had asked it at the end of every session. You know, you got your foundling player over there who answers yes every single session to their playbook question because theirs is easy to pull off. And, 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 you're sit, and you're sitting there like, well, I never get to answer yes on mine. Well, it and totally brings me back to what, you know, something I think we talked about in a previous rules talk is that a narrative game is about working together and talking yeah. about the narrative with your other players outside of the game where a lot of the tables I've been at, it doesn't matter what game it is. Everyone at the table wants this immersion. I've, I've had a, a ton of that in my life. Like, yeah. give me this immersion where we're not talking out of character. But a game like this, it, it behooves you to say, yeah. hey, Lee, I'm trying to get this off in the next I don't know, a few minutes because I have this condition. I'm trying to clear this status that I'm working with. Oh, intention. So, so can I, I just want you guys to know that I'm going to be pushing toward that. Okay. Back in character now. That way and everyone that knows. kind of takes away from like the, the role play at focus. Like uh, if I'm breaking immersion well, constantly it, to talk out It does both. For me. It does both because yeah. it does, it does slow the game down in that, but it also rewards you for having, you get better scenes because of it more what everyone wants. Everyone gets included. From what I've experienced with a lot of Power by the Apocalypse stuff and stuff like this is that intention is everything. So there was a situation in our Turtles game where there was a very, very heated argument and actions and mechanics were done without the talk of the mechanics. The mechanics are still hitting, but like, for example, like someone was trying to clear angry, so they did an outburst, but they didn't say they were doing it ahead of time. So it really just like kind of just paused the moment of like, wow, that was really rude. And like, if we talked about it just like real quick ahead of time, like, hey, look, I, you know, the argument's happening. Be like, hey, look, I'm going to say an outburst so I can clear angry. Because it makes sense and also in the moment. And it's like, okay. And then the outburst happens. It hits differently because like when you do like outbursts or like things that actually might be counterintuitive to what the group's doing or your friendships, because the mechanics kind of want you to, it's good to talk, have like a brief like, hey, look, this is my intention real quick. Just so that way it doesn't create any bad blood. Because again, this system kind of rewards- And that depends on the table. Yeah. Because there's a ton of tables where that's happening- the whole time, not just once in eight sessions, but the whole time that's happening. And that's what the group wants. And they've known each other for forever. And it's, oh, yeah. it's never going to, that's what they want. Where when you're playing with newer players or other people you don't know, not new as in like new players, but new people mm -hmm. to you, they don't know. Like this person might be a real jerk in real life and it's just yeah. translating in the game. Or this person may yeah. be a brilliant role player who's using the rules extremely well and there's no preface for that none mm -hmm. so it is that in a situation like that it is and i think in a lot of situations i've had a i've had gms in the past who have really wanted to play this very warmongering game and at the table there were players who were actually pacifists and so there's this big disconnect when at session zero, this didn't happen just all of a sudden. It happened in session zero when we all talked about making characters. That person didn't really, That's the time to do it. they didn't really make their intentions known and the GM didn't make their intentions known. And then through the game, there were all of these moments where it just felt awkward for the whole team because we have a, a warmongering barbarian. We've got this pacifist who doesn't use any damage spells whatsoever and wants to like totally like kind of metagame their spells. And it just none of it went together because no one was speaking their intention out loud. So it was just this yeah. really uncomfortable mix for like eight sessions that we played this thing or 10 sessions. 
it's it was simply because we didn't communicate out of character. We were only communicating in character and none of us knew each other, not in person anyway. Yeah, I think some of the key mm-hmm. things to talk about is, yeah, the intention of the session itself or not the session, but the intention of the game, the theming, and just like to talk real quick about what your character's going through. One thing I started doing recently with the Ninja Turtles game was I started asking the players beforehand open discussion about like, hey, what's your character thinking? What's your character going through right now? So that way we all had a brief idea. And it was something that we can all play off of because we all know. And that helps during the session to not have those moments where we have to, you know, say the intentions and stuff because we already know ahead of time. Yeah. And th- yeah, those you work can help do too. That at the beginning of the game, you can do that at the beginning of sessions. Yeah. You can do that out of game and between sessions. As long as you're making those intentions known, I don't care what game you're playing. I think you're going to have a better time. Oh, yeah. And you can still do that without ruining the immersion of the moment. But there are some moments that, that need prefacing. Oh, yeah. And that's to link it back around to the topic. That's where these questions sort of play off of. If like, for example, Lee doesn't feel like she's getting the adamant question a lot. She could be like, okay, well, Mayu's going through something. Just let you guys know Mayu's going through a bit of like inner turmoil a little bit. I'm not going to go into it because I want you guys to find out, but I'm going to, you know, just be aware of it that way. Because also Mm -hmm. it's something I actually described to one of my players recently on my Turtles game. I'm like, the thing is, is that, yeah, you kind of have to let the intentions be known a little bit about how your character's thinking or feeling, because while you can be vocal, but if your character's not expressing themselves, we don't, you know, you as players don't see body language. You sometimes, depending on the role player, don't hear the inflection in the voice. You don't see the ticks. You don't see the environment. You don't see the situation. You're only basing on what the person's telling you. So if someone's being like the character itself is being very candid, talking about it and being like, hey, look, my character's going through a thing. If you guys want to interact with it at all, go for it. I'll let you know if you if it comes up. I'll let you know what it is. Stuff like that. And that, again, that's where I feel like these mm-hmm. questions come into play, though, because, again, th- that's the thing. It's also I'm someone who <laughs> I'll make a character. I'll roll up a character, have a pure intention of what this character is in my head. But then when I actually start playing it, they're suddenly totally different. Like something just kind of naturally happens. And that's a problem I have with the, with the playbooks in Avatar because they're very specific. Where, for example, I if I was playing the adamant, I might accidentally end up not being the adamant where, you know, I'm supposed to be, you know, very secure in my thoughts and very, you know, standoffish a bit and not let people in except for one person. And it, mm. it's, it's, it's demanding. It's demanding. And those questions are supposed to help you keep in line with that. So it's a quite a bit of a juggle but yeah so i think at this point i think it might be good to go over what you get for advancements does that sound good that does sound good i was thinking the same thing (laughs) my favorite part about advancement oh yeah advancements you get a lot of different options it's not laid out for you so you get to do what makes sense for your character one thing you can do is you can take a new move from your playbook the playbooks have about like four or five narrative moves each and they can and you can choose a new one that's cool. Oh, or, yeah, that's cool. Or in situations like, for example, where I said, hey, I'm not really playing the adamant as much as I thought I would. I might take actually the second choice, which is take a mo- new move from another playbook. Which is like even that. That cooler. Is awesome. Because if your character is going through something or maybe like, you know, again, you're, you're not 100 percent your playbook. You're a lot of different things. And if something from another playbook hits you well. Like if you find that you're an adamant, but you really like like giving advice, you know, that's maybe your way of being like closed in is that rather than talking about your own stuff, you're instead giving advice. There is a plenty of playbooks like from the elder, for example, where you can actually get bonuses for giving advice. 
And that's really cool that you can express your character how you want and even pull from the other playbooks. And you could end up with a character who's less the playbook you chose in the beginning and more something else. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Another option is raise a stat by one to a maximum of plus two in any given stat. This is nice. Bear in mind that in Avatar Legends, you can only go to plus three. And the only way you can go to plus three was the help of playbook moves that say, hey, you can raise it to plus three. Other than that, you can only raise Mm -hmm. it to plus two. And bear in mind, you can only go to negative two or rather negative three, depending on balance. So it's nice to it's nice to have that. Like we we already had a few of our people in the podcast who are like, oh, God, I have a negative one in this. I don't want a negative one. Yeah, I steered away from negatives and City of Demons and the system we're doing because of that, because you can make it to where the challenges are a bit higher you can well with the way that i'm building the system with a 2d6 system like this obviously there's there's reasons that it's like that also real quick Mm -hmm. i feel like the idea of a negative like i get it but at the same time all it really does i think is create this mentality of oh dear god i want to get away from that as much as possible it's like it stops the player does make up for that yeah it stops it stops Mm -hmm. the player from thinking like their character and instead thinking mechanically which is something that the system is trying not to do the system is trying to keep you thinking of your character but with a negative that sounds like something you want to get rid of it's always like the first thing you're just like well i gotta get this up to yeah you know, a certain number just to right. get it out so of the way, or suck. I got to get this one balanced. Yeah. And so you'll give up anything else just so you can get that rid of that. Which first. at the same time is sort of also along. Or some people. Yeah. Which is something along, which is weird though, because it's sort of like, okay, but you're supposed to be a flawed character. You're a character, you're a narrative character. You do have flaws. But the system, just by the idea of having a negative. Literally, it makes the makes the mm-hmm. gamer and a lot of people be like, no, 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 I can't have that. Even if it makes sense for their character to have it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you if a system disguises that a little bit more so, not as a narrative, a zero, but rather as a, just a simple lower number, it, it, it feels different. If it's a yeah. one rather than a minus one, and then all of the other numbers are too higher, it just, it, mm-hmm. it, that's a big difference, even though it's exactly the same mathematically. And one of my favorite systems, uh, City of Mist, which I think the poddlers have been used to me talking about lately, you have weakness tags, where it's a narrative tag, a narrative something that pertains to one of your four themes. And when that weakness comes up like for example if i'm a showboat if that my weakness is a showboat and i'm doing something that actually pertains to me showing off when i really shouldn't i'll take that negative one but my screen Mm -hmm. but my character sheet does not say negative one or anything like that it just says the weakness tag and it's classified as a weakness no number attached no nothing and you actually get Mm -hmm. rewarded for using that weakness you get that's actually how you get experience in city of mist is you're tackling your weaknesses you're experiencing your weaknesses and you're working through them. And that to mm-hmm. me feels a lot more rewarding. We have something, or I'm working on something like that for our other setting, Cozy Core, where we're talking about different sorts of adventures and how your character will interact with those, whether or not they're stepping out of their comfort zone or not. And you'll have weaknesses, of course, for that. And the, But then you also will get certain bonuses for taking on that challenge. So... I think that's a good idea. And it's definitely playing into, I mean, it's all the psychology of not having a negative, but also having a good thing. And that's one thing with like Powered by the Apocalypse, some of the other games, like not all the Powered by Apocalypse games do the growth questions. Some of them actually do. If you roll a miss, which is a two through six, you get an experience point because you're dealing with a hardship. 
complication came up mm-hmm. and now you have to deal with it. Some people very much like that. I do. It's fun because it actually takes that whole idea of like you rolled low and it gives you a little bonus. It's like, hey, look, no, trust me, get through this. You're 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 learning from this, from this experience. Mm-hmm. In fact, during our Ninja Turtle game, one player very enthusiastically said, please, for the love of God, can we have Mrs. Give experience? And where I had to retweak the amount of <laughs> the, the questions and everything, but we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. It provides a mathematical way to get experience, and I've worked that into our system as mm-hmm. well, where you have a failure, which is you roll a one and you miss. That's a failure. You learn from it. Once you get three of those, you gain an experience. Same thing with if you roll a six, because we have a D6 system. If you roll a six and succeed, it's a triumph. You get three triumphs. It's an experience. Which and sounds the, great. The players love it. They absolutely have. They thought mm. it was the cheesiest thing. And a couple of them made huge fun of it in the beginning. And now they're like, is that a triumph? <laughs> All right. That's another experience. Oh, marking it down. And they're just loving it. It is. And it's really fun. It's really easy to follow. Yeah. When, so in regards to raising a stat by one, that's really what it mostly boils down to. Is your The idea is to express if your character is has something a little more leaning towards their mentality based off the core stats, you know, creativity, focus, harmony, passion. But at the same time, it sort of does get a little, it's kind of the most mechanical choice. one shift your center one step is also very very mechanical but i think kind of speaks a little better because the whole idea of of shifting your center one step is for a reminder for the butler the center is based off of the balance meter the balance meter is every character has a dual thing they're trying to go against or have some kind of confliction inside of them for example lee's character has the adamant is restraint versus results uh the concept of do they actually take time to think about what what's come and to actually plan accordingly or do they just rush in and just worry about like hey look no if i beat that guy up i'll get the goods rather than worrying about you'll get results results. so doesn't matter how you got results and the choosing of shifting your center one step because center is at zero you can shift it towards one of these where your care where that's your way of expressing my character is naturally more towards one of these two directions and it's cool because it does kind of, you know, let you, again, have a way of expressing yourself through the balance bar, which can be pretty interesting. If I have a downside to it, it's just the fact that it also puts you very cl- much closer to the fact that if you go all the way down your balance bar on one direction, you lose balance. Meaning, and I'm throwing up quotations that you poddlers can't see, but there's quotations being thrown up. And it, when you lose balance, you basically lose control of your character in some way and this show is supposed to resemble moments like azula going completely and utterly you know haywire at the end of the series or when zuko at the end of season two betrays his uncle and betrays everything his uncle taught him to get his father's approval it's Mm -hmm. you're acting extremely like out of character but in character at the same time but again so shifting your center means that you're shifting yourself closer to that so you have to be careful yeah, and these are 
bad things, so you don't want those. Well, they're, they're upsetting to the story, or they create yeah. moments, or they they rule the scene. Is is what happens. So it's play with care, play with care. Not necessarily it's a bad thing. It could be the most amazing part of the story. But if you're doing it all the time, it, it could turn into a spotlight hog or like oh, upset yeah. other people. For all sure. kinds of stuff. Yeah. So the lose your balance move specifically says if your balance shifts past at the end of the track, you lose balance. You obsess over that principle to agree that's not healthy for you or anyone around you. Choose one of the following: give in or submit to your opposition. Lose control of yourself in a destructive and harmful way, or take extreme action in line with the principle, then flee. So it's mm-hmm. a big reaction. It's a big moment. And your balance moment, what, what, what does that the, look like? The moment of balance? Ah, well, mm-hmm. that's actually the next option. The moment of balance. Cool. Speaking, speaking of what Jimmy said about stealing the limelight, the moment of balance is a narrative trigger, essentially. It's something very unique to your playbook. What it basically is, is it's kind of like your moment to shine, where you actually, if you have, if you have the moment of balance unlocked, which you can do through advancements, you, upon reaching that narrative trigger that the playbook specifically says, you wrestle control of the narrative from the GM and you tell what happens, how your character has their big moment. So, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the adamant. Your moment of balance says, you've held true to the core of your convictions, even while getting your hands dirty to do what you deemed necessary. But balance means appreciating that others are just as complex as you are, not merely obstacles or pawns. Tell the GM how you solve an intractable problem or calm a terrible conflict relating to dangerous people on a human level. Now, it's, it's, it's extremely specific. Yeah. <laughs> it is extremely specific. But at the idea, at that point, you would wrestle control. You would actually basically be the GM for the brief time that uh, this happens. The GM basically doesn't even really, you know, just as long as just as long as you don't do anything like, you know, say like, you know. A bomb goes off in the Capitol building. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like the big bad gives me a hug. Unless he planted the, it. The, the big bad gives me a hug now as I've now expressed my feelings. That's, you know, you can ask the GM, be like, hey, can this happen? And the GM, you got to respect the GM on that one. But other than that, you wrestle control of the narrative away. And that happens once in a game? That's the thing with the moment of balance is you have to be at the center also. So not only do you have to hit this very specific narrative trigger, you have to be at center. Mm-hmm. And you can unlock this twice. So that means technically you can do it twice in a campaign. Mm-hmm. And they're just supposed to be like the big moments. For example, like Sokka, when he gets the sword and he has a big moment of balance because he's like, he's putting himself into this training with the, with a sword and the master. He's being he's taking it seriously. He's actually putting himself on the line because he's Water Nation and he's scared about the fact of how his teacher will react. But then he has a big like, no. I have to do this. I have to do what's right. I have to be honest with him, thus leading to the duel. That's basically a moment mm-hmm. of balance because Sokka did something at his balance. He did something that is core to his character that is a resolution. And so basically the player could, for example, could have been you know describing the end of the duel or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be the moments like that, the moments where, you're, again, your character shines. Yeah, And of course, okay. some of these moments balances, some of them are easier to hit than others. I was going to say, like, I, I'm, hmm, we haven't gotten to do it yet, so I'm going to save my reservations until we actually experience something like that. But I feel like sometimes 
these supposed moments of balance are going to be more towards one person's personality, like absolutely, and than the other. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, because yeah, the restraint. I feel like if anything that's going to be happening for the adamant, where they're doing like a big moment that's helpful to everyone, that's m- more restraint probably. And if I try and do anything that's just results, that's I, I have a hard time imagining a balanced moment that has any sort of results. Yeah, like. You know oh, what I'm no, trying I to say? I don't know how to word this, I guess. It's, you know? It becomes a very similar problem as to what we have with alignment in Dungeons & Dragons, where you're going to play it differently depending on who you are, yeah. and it's it's mm-hmm. kind of fine, as long as everyone's really mm-hmm. you know really on the same page about how, how we're all doing it, or what we're going to let everyone, I don't know, get away with. I hate to say let people get away with, but- Wait, 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 Jimmy, 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 are you saying that people yeah. can agree on alignment? Uh, at my at my table of I play with about fifty people and I've never had anyone argue about it ever. Wow. Ever. Yeah, I mean Oh yeah. I've 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 seen wars. I've heard people online and I've I've had a couple of buddies, you know, kind of question it, but they always come together with the group. But yeah, I I, but I get what you're saying in regards to how this could be similar. Um, similar, not the same, but you know, it's a similar mm-hmm. uh, thing that happens. Because, and bear in mind, you don't need moments of balance to have big moments for your character. It's not a requirement. And it's not even something that you even, like, get a, like, that's the weird thing. Okay, I'm going to compare this to Masks. Masks is another game by Brendan Conway, same dev who made Avatar Legends. And in that game, you have moments of truth. And I feel it's handled so much better. First off, the options are a bit more, they're they fit the playbooks better because the playbooks are not so defined on personality and they're defined on your origins and what your superhero is dealing with, not so much their personality. So it's more about overcoming something, you know, again, based on their their origin and their conflict. Also, you get something for doing a moment of truth. You get to lock a stat because in um, masks, it's the same type of like, you know, negative three to negative uh, negative three to plus three. But your influence, like people can like influence your stats based on how they see you and whether or not you accept that. But moment of truths lock one of those stats so that it cannot be budged, meaning your your stat like spoke to this moment of truth. And so, again, it cannot be shifted. Moment of balance doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything mechanically. It, it's just a narrative. It's reward. just a narrative yeah. reward. Just- you, you're at your center. Cool. Good job. And this trigger happened. Cool. Good job. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I have fun with it. Like I, some of the best moments I've had in like Powered by the Apocalypse, well, masks specifically, because again, I don't know many other systems that have this. Some of the most fun moments were moments of balances because the player got to really express what their character is going through. That's why I think I said during the podcast, I said, you know, I always pick moment of balance or moment of truth first, just so I can have it if I need it or if it comes up. Even though, again, in Avatar Legends, it doesn't have any mechanical benefit. I mean... I guess that's arguable because being able to control even a few seconds of a scene is pretty mechanically intense to shift the power like that. So it just depends how you look at it. And it's again, it's the same thing as it's all about perspective, how you view that mechanic, how you view it working for a GM who's used to playing games where I'm in control of everything. Handing that power over feels huge to me, whereas for people who are used to more narrative games it's just like oh no we're we always kind of shift the power around and talk we all kind of make decisions together so yeah i wasn't disagreeing with that really because again some of the best moments i've had are when players have the control it's more the fact that for example the moments of truth 
Something happens to your character sheet to reflect that you had this big moment, this big realization. Like something happens to your character sheet to express that you, that this this thing happened to you. Sure. That doesn't happen with Avatar. You had this big moment. You've you know achieved balance and you had a moment associated with it. Mechanically, nothing happens to your character sheet. That's more what I was getting at. Well, that's you check part- off that box that says you can't do it again. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of it. But, it, but, but it's but it's not Great. like but it doesn't give anything like for example you can shift your balance like or sure, you could yeah. shift your center which i guess would be counterintuitive or like you know or like maybe for the rest of the scene you can't your balance cannot be adjusted or something like that no no one can shift your balance there there's nothing there's nothing in place not even that. experience not yeah there's not even, even like experience. a growth um, so that's the part that's the part that weirds me out is, again, moments of truth saw how moments like that can affect your character sheet and which I love when your character sheet reflects what your character is going through. It's not just, oh, my God, I've gotten stronger. No, it reflects what your character is going through. It reflects the changes and the ordeals that your character has gone through. I love those. That's part of the reason why I love these games. And so for moment of truth to not do anything weirds me out. Like, I love it. I love the concept. I love I love the idea of the player having control over what happens to their characters. Because, God, I mean, I'm sure some 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 of our poddlers have been in situations where it's like, oh, my God, your character's having their big moment. And it seems that way. But something the GM does just didn't really bring it home all the way. Mm-hmm. I've never had that happen before in any game. He's got a cheeky smile. It's hard to tell how serious he's being. Is that sarcasm? Roll to sarcasm. He's got perfect DMs all the time. <laughs> I've only had perfect DMs that were like <laughs> thinking what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're psychic. Psychic they DMs. Knew, they knew exactly what you wanted. I mean, granted, I always, even when not playing a narrative system, you know, if I see a character's having a big moment, I always try to make sure that the player is involved as much as possible. You know, because it's their moment. You let them have their moment. I don't know if you guys have ever played Champions or the Hero System. It's an older game, but man. I played I play the MMO. <laughs> I played a. Well, I don't think I'm thinking the same it's thing. A, it's a. It's a hardcore system. It's really great for being able to do whatever you want. It's one of those systems. You can make anything you want, any kind of character with any kind of power, any kind of ability, any kind of anything you can imagine. It's purchasable. There's no limitations. And. That, that makes some really interesting groups. And you want to talk about a game where people are not on the same page. It's it's like the game encourages you to not be on the same page with yeah. anyone ever. <laughs> God, what's the one that starts with an R? I'm, I'm saying, going crazy you know, here. Masks kind of does that too, but it does it through the playbooks. For example, like one, one playbook is called the Nova, where what it is is you are basically like you are the powerhouse. You are like the God tier character power wise. Like you are the Superman the in the Justice League. And but the big thing that the playbook is all your narrative moves are about the destructive nature that you can cause if you're not in check. So the game actually goes over how to make sure that character has hit their notes while the other characters are hitting theirs. Because the thing with the Nova was that, and they say, when the Nova's in play and they roll a narrative miss, it has to be a big deal. It has to be destructive. It has to be a big deal. Because you get to have all those really awesome moments, yeah. too. So it gives the other characters moments to shine as well. So it's like, yeah, there are, there are especially with superheroes, where <laughs> yes, power can. levels can go crazy. They can go absolutely nuts. Someone's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to be Superman. Someone's like, well, I'm going to be 
Green Arrow. I shoot these. (laughs) (laughs) But in comics has shown. Well, the problem with being Superman is everyone still loves Batman more. So I know one person that's this huge Superman fan. It's weird to me that someone's a huge Superman fan, but Batman is way cooler. (laughs) It's you. You're the Superman fan. For me, it depends on my mood. Yeah, I was a huge Superman fan. I like the old movies, and I watched the Lois and Clark TV show. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Smallville and everything. I did watch Smallville. I didn't really like it, though. I liked the first few seasons, and then it just pfft, dove off a cliff. <laughs> a lot of shows do that. <laughs> yeah. Especially the CW. So <laughs> I never really bothered with those. I, I watched the cartoons. Slander. I watched the cartoons. Anyway, get back to the point. But yeah, masks handles that power level. Avatar, thankfully, doesn't have that, really, unless someone's trying to be a bloodbender, which, oh dear God, if someone's a bloodbender at your table, because there's always going to be someone who wants to be a bloodbender at your table. Yeah, be careful with that. And that's something where the power levels come into play. <laughs> when you have someone mm-hmm. who can literally... Well, it all depends on what area you're playing in there. So. Yeah, Jack intentionally picked the Roku era because he knew things were I simple and we wouldn't have any blood no, benders. No, <laughs> no blood benders, Smart no metal benders. Everyone else picked the Roku era. I did not pick the Roku era because personally, I like the Korra era because first off, I like doing the old tiny voice, the kind of old radio announcer. I would start off every e- Oh man. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I would start off every episode with giving a nice recap done in a very flamboyant and outlandish style but you know no not jack (laughs) oh no no not me what a way for me to be outlandish so i'll figure other ways bud i know i did not pick the roku era but i'm cool with the roku era no no we we came to it as a group discussion and this was before the core book came this was before the core book came out i went over Mm. the eras real quick and everyone chose the roku era because it seemed like the most open to interpretation little do we we know the book came out and god is the book in detail for the roku era it's it's not, it open is not. For discussion. <laughs> it's very specific. No, it's not. And it's very specific. Granted, though, when I got handed it, and I'm like, yeah, we're doing the Roku era? Cold War. Nice. <laughs> very cool. Anyway, yeah. so in regards to growth, do we have any final thoughts about how to obtain growth, what you can use growth for in Avatar? We already kind of went over our own takes of, of, of what, how we might change it or what we, you know, might do if, you know, we were developing it. Versus what we are developing. So any other final thoughts? I think that when it comes to the sort of game, we're just going to have kind of the same final thought. At least I am over and over is where this sort of game in this sort of play style requires just a lot of cooperation and honestly finding just about the most perfect group you possibly can. And that can be difficult. And I think that sometimes... When looking at these rules and mechanics, even though I don't necessarily have a bad group I'm playing with, or I feel like we run into these troubles, that's always my hang up when reading through these. It's just, oh, I this is going to go terribly wrong for this kind of person, or this is going to be bad because this is going to happen. But that doesn't necessarily make the system bad. And I think that despite the little things that there's an attempt at balance, at least. And I mean, it's a core mechanic, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, no, and that's, Strong that's a very fair balance. point. And, you know, you can say that about, 
any system too about what what kind of exactly. story mm-hmm. and what kind of setting and mechanics the system is trying to say because i think i've reiterated that several times in the previous table talks is every system is trying to help you tell a different type of story and yeah Avatar Legends is definitely about cooperation, definitely about friendship, definitely about working through thoughts and feelings. So yeah, you definitely are. And yeah, using those things. Is you just got to be yeah, which, If you're mm-hmm. not inclined yeah. to role play and go through that, then yeah, this is definitely not the system for you. Same thing, for example, like mm-hmm. other systems where, you know, if you want something crunchy and you're not of the crunchy mindset, then obviously you're not going to want to play a crunchy game. It definitely falls in line with that. And I think that's a very good point. Jimmy, you got any final thoughts? I like that the the experience system helps cater the game toward one type of story. What we have other games like, you know, in Call of Cthulhu, when you use a skill repeatedly, it's going to increase that skill. That's what the system wants you to do. It wants you to practice your skills so that you can get better at them. And then if you do that as a group, I practice working in a library, you practice working with guns, and you practice reading ancient texts or whatever the case may be, or uh, researching or talking to people. We'll each get good at something very specific and rise as a team. And then in something like Dungeons and Dragons, the more monsters you slay, the game rewards you because the game wants you to slay monsters. And, you know, in this, it's all about coming to the table with a specific type of story, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Korra, you know, these type of ideologies in mind. We're going to make that type of game, and this experience system supports that heavily, which is really cool. It makes for problems, which, you know, as Lee said, I can't, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's why I hesitated and let Lee go first, because I, <laughs> I knew that we would have some crossover, and I had like 10 <laughs> things. I have 10 things I wanted to say. So I, it's, you know, I agree a wholeheartedly that in a narrative system, if we agree that we're going to tell a specific type of story, it's nice that the the system helps us do that. And it would be nice if we can work together in order to do so. So I really like it. It, it has helped me shape the way I view games. Um, I give it two thumbs up for the way that it works. The, you know, just know that there are problems there. Know that there are weird things that you're going to have to work through just like any other yeah. system. For my thoughts, yeah. Oh, I mean, overall, I, the way the growth is delivered for the story is trying to tell. Yeah, I know I'm in a complete agreeing, agreement that it's good for what it's trying to do and the story it's trying to tell. It's good. I can say as someone who tried to take the system out of Avatar, be very careful. Bad. You will have to change the way growth works That's and it's fine. okay. You can, I even like that if we're playing that we have, if you're familiar with other types of growth questions from other games or other power by the apocalypse type games, especially you can craft your own as a group to help tell the type of story you want to tell. And that I don't think that that's unfathomable not, not at, all. at all. I think it's, in fact, if you like to do those type of things with the games you play where you get in and tweak the rules, it can only help. And this is a great place where you could homebrew as a group during session zero to get the game you want. And that's super yeah. cool. And too. I mean, that's one of the key things is that like, again, I'm one of the biggest advocators towards powered by the apocalypse but i also understand the fact that yeah oh you have no, I have idea? no idea oh i mean did, did, did you, you know jack did like you know? Power by the apocalypse games uh, i mean i just don't know him that well so. oh yeah yeah um, i mean i've never, never heard him never say never but the thing that i also realize and this is this the way this growth works and this is one of the prime pri- of purest examples is yeah it's okay thing with like i'm gonna say dungeons and dragons pathfinder and all those guys is yeah you can tailor make the experience a bit the cursed huh? 
No, I'm actually... The cursed words. I don't think I've ever heard you say Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> is, yes, the system is D's... Nothing favorable is coming. I've, let, let's let there be a hush as I'm going to speak favorably. Is that the thing about those systems is, yes, the system is designed resource-wise and, you know, spell slots and stuff like that to basically be dungeon crawling. But it gives you the tools to make... Put things in between. You don't even need dungeon crawling. You could be about like maybe having a fight every few sessions and just do storytelling. Granted, again, you're not using 95% of your character sheet, but it gives you those options. And that's something that I think a lot of people go back to D&D for is because, again, you can craft it a lot to kind of mold what you're doing. You may not do it the best, but it does it in a way that is enjoyable. Thing with Avatar Legends and some of the other Powered by the Apocalypse games is, no, you're telling something very specific. You're doing a specific story. Less moldable. You're doing, it's less moldable. Granted, if you know a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse systems, oh, you find it. You can mold it only because you can interchange things from different games. But you kind of need that. While, for example, Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, and all those guys, nah, if, just as long as you have a basic understanding of the rule set, you can kind of just make it whatever you want. You don't want flanking rules? Who cares? You don't like EXP on monsters? Psh, milestones. You know, you could you can mold it. This system, and again, the growth is one of the key things, is like, it's it. they're just a bunch of questions, but they say so much about the system and the story that they want you to tell. It's like almost the core of it. And it's hard to pull away from that without affecting everything else. Mm, agreed. Yeah. So that's my basic, well, I wouldn't say basic, but my thoughts on it. And yes, there, there, there's praise for D20 there. I don't hate D20. I don't. <laughs> I just like narrative games but i also know that there's problems such as this i think of them as speed bumps rather than yeah problems. speed bumps it, it, it's problems if you want Challenges. it's problems if you want to if you like the mechanics but you want to take them outside of the, their setting that's where it's a problem maybe you're it's, it's a bigger hill to climb maybe your group likes the combat mechanics which could be next week it should be next week I swear. I brought, I thought I we were doing swear. combat. I don't know why I brought my combat sheet with me. Well, I was ready to talk combat. I looked well, over right there. I was like, man, I know combat. I fully expected combat to happen last session during the actual, during the AP. It did not happen. Oh, it's, it's happening. It's happening. Sorry. It's happening next time though. Oh, you guys, there's, unless you run for the hills, you're not avoiding it this time. <laughs> Not too bad. I'm burning my combat I sheet. I, I don't, I'm going to burn my cheat <laughs> sheet. Week. I don't know what. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to freeform it next week. <laughs> but no, combat should happen. But like I was saying, if you want like the combat system from Avatar and you like that, and you kind of like maybe like a few things from Avatar, but you want to pull it out of setting and stuff, it's you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. You can do it. It's just not going to be easy. You're going to have to tell a martial arts style game. A hundred percent. It's a martial arts. We'll get to that next. Very week. martial arts, teenage, <laughs> yeah, emotional. What game. about the you could play uh, maybe? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. You can play Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> or Korra. Oh, Korra. Because you it's funny though. It's funny though because if you take if you do take a look at some of the core things from this game, it's definitely more geared towards Korra. Avatar: The Last Airbender and not Korra. Because Korra More, had yeah. different theming, and Korra, like her gang, was not even together for like two seasons. Like they were like in totally different locations doing totally different things. But yeah, that's a mm -hmm. totally different type of story, which I mean, you could do Korra camp sessions. I've done Korra sessions. They're fun. I like Korra. I, I like the Korra setting. It works only if you still pertain to the idea of what the story is trying to tell. And again, the growth is kind of part of the key thing to help guide you for that, both the players and the GM. 
or Lorebender. Because Lorebender. Lorebender. <laughs> anyway, but I think that pretty much wraps it up. Thank you all, legendary podlers, for queuing in with us again. Again, combat next week. It, be- it-, it will happen. I'm gonna do a hit. I'm gonna punch a thing. So, some, someone's <laughs> some 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 fire some fire is gonna be thrown. Some water is gonna be thrown. Earth. Actually, we don't have an earth bender. We don't have an airbender either. So yeah, earth and I mean fire and water is gonna be thrown around. No fire. No fire. <laughs> Maybe from the firebenders, but not from me. So I very much hope you you guys look forward to that and looking forward to our discussion about it because oh believe me, there is a lot to discuss. It's gonna be a fun talk. Mm-hmm. I'm a big martial arts guy. It's going to be a fun talk. I'm Jack. Thank you all. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. It's Lee Baldwin. And I'm, I'm Jimmy. I'm Jim. I'm, I'm not playing, but... We miss you. We miss you. We miss you, bud. I'm, 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 I want to see, I wanna see your, uh, your firebender come out with a big mustache and start going on about being a Southern Fire Nation gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a humble... Firebender from the Southern Isles. <laughs> Maybe an NPC sometime. I might do it. <laughs> anyway. What we have here is a failure <laughs> to communicate among Fire Nation. <laughs> exactly. That's my best friend. All right. <laughs> so thank you all, legendary podlers, for joining us for this evening. Evening, morning, afternoon, sun shining moon up high. Doesn't matter. You joined us. Hopefully you had fun. See y'all next time. I'll tell you what. I'll- we sure are happy you did. We really are. On behalf of Even Footing Games, thank you all for joining us. <laughs>